When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode six, and we're recording on August 8th. I'm Sharif Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot, and we're also coming to you from Inside Closet. (laughs) (laughs) It's Jen's recording closet part two. This happened to me like a week or two ago. I had to record Get Booked from Inside My Closet and the construction is back. I still don't know what they're doing. I have no idea what they are doing. These are the trials. These are the the trials of podcasting and having any sort of recording because (laughs) I have like my problem usually like this morning I had and this happens all the time when I'm just about to podcast as well. I had some people outside, like, blasting Leonard Skinner. Oh, no. And I was like, um, and they sounded like they were having a really good time. So I was like, oh, no, are they never going to leave? Right. <laughs> Will they just be here forever? Yeah. It could happen. It could happen. Well, and then we had my cat feeder one day that oh, was, yeah. like, making a lot of noise. We just, you know, it's like, this is what, you know, working from home sounds really glamorous and all, yeah. y'all, but, like, it comes with weird, <laughs> it comes with very weird problem sets. <laughs> I know. I wish it was all magic and dragons and fantasy over here, but it's not. But we should probably talk about some of that as well. Let's do that. Um, And before we do that, we're going to talk about our first sponsor, which is Weinstein Books, which is the publisher of Irina Brignall's The Hawkweed Prophecy and The Hawkweed Legacy. So in The Hawkweed Legacy, this is the second book in uh, Brignall's critically acclaimed YAW series, The Hawkweed Prophecy. And in this one, I'm super excited about the sound of this because it's all sorts of witchy poo, which is right up my alley. Um, And the character, Poppy Hooper, she just discovers her position as she comes into a position of power. I'm always afraid of like spoiling second books in series for people. So I'm going to try to do this a good way. But so Poppy discovers that she has this powerful position in the witch community or in her community. And she's not in a great place, even though she is powerful. She has to flee this dangerous world and the betrayal of somebody very close to her. And she ends up flying to Africa. But She also has a romantic interest that she's now separated from and she's still longing for her would-be lover. And when she feels his magic begin to spark, she would basically do anything to be reunited with him. And as the girls, Poppy and her best friend Ember, come of age, Poppy's powers grow stronger and her mother sets into motion a plan that puts Poppy and Ember and the boy they love and the world as they know it at risk. 
So it sounds super exciting, and I am probably going to pick this one up now that I know about it because it has witchcraft and cool things happening. And again, that was The Hawkweed Legacy by Irena Brignall. So thank you for sponsoring us. And um, do we want to talk about this Nettie news? I think I always want to talk about Nettie news. (laughs) I know. She has has so much going on. so do you, you, why don't you go ahead and, sure. and say what it's about? So if you, too, are following along with Nettie Okorafor's Facebook page or general announcements, uh, she has had a bunch lately. And the yeah. newest is that at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, they announced a multimedia universe featuring the adventures of pre-Islamic Arabian warrior Antar the Black Knight, who is the son of an Ethiopian mother who was a slave. And it's going to start out with five uh, a five-issue comic next year, which will be connected to a film. So, like, not only are we getting <laughs> comics from Nnedi Okorafor, who is part of the launch team and she's writing the comic, um, but we're also getting a movie? What? Like, amazing. So I, much. I want so this much. yesterday. I don't want to have to wait. So. I mean, at least we're getting a lot of stuff from her, yes. so it's not one of those situations where you have an author who writes something that blows your mind and changes your world, and then you never hear from them again right. for, like, a decade or something. Yeah. So this is super exciting, and I watched the um, the trailer for it. And oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I watched the trailer from it for it, and it looked really epic. Like, it looked like a video game I would play. <laughs> They already have t-shirts and stuff up. Like, the website is already, you know, going strong. So we'll leave a link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's super exciting. She has such a good undercover game, too. Mm-hmm. She always comes out. She's already done, like, a million things. <laughs> and then you're like, how? How? Where? Yeah. What? Why? <laughs> right. Does she have a time turner? Like, does she have a time turner? She might. Yeah. She might. She might. Yeah. She's, she's, she's smart and cool enough to have one. So. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to take on our sort of new Westeros book news? Yes. <laughs> Even though I feel like it's going to make people angry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I like that the article, we actually had an article that went out about this um, bit of news in the the post is, New George R. R. Martin book announced in parentheses, it's not what you want, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what's happening is um, George R. R. Martin announced on his his live journal page that he is putting out two new books. These books are not, you know, they're not sequels to Game of Thrones or, you know, so this isn't. This isn't what you want. This is a George R. R. Marillion. So good. I love that <laughs> joke so much. It's it's so appropriate. Yeah. So he said the first volume of this uh, series will cover the history of Westeros from Aegon's conquest up through the regency of the boy king Aegon the Third, and that is going to be published in late uh, 2018, probably. Or early 2019, <laughs> and according to him, the volume is largely written, and the second volume, which is about the history from Aegon III up to Robert's Rebellion, is not written, um, and he says it's a few more years in coming, 
So <laughs> I, I can't decide if it's worse for him to be like, I'm working on a thing. Who knows when it will be published? Or just like to not tell us until it's actually ready. Like I almost would prefer less news if it yeah. meant that when we did get news, something was actually going to happen that we could read. I know. Sometimes I feel like, is is he, is Martin, like, trolling us or something? But, like, what? but you know he gets 60,000 messages a week being like, what are you working on? What are you working on? Yeah. Where's the next book? Like, I know. I'm sure that the only reason he does this is to, like, you know, answer all of the people who are like, are you even writing anything? <laughs> That's true. And I am curious about, like, how many, is there going to be, like, a ton mm-hmm. of people interested in these volumes. Yeah, I are mean, you the kind of completist who needs, like, you know, the history of Westeros, including the conquest? Like, is that is that a thing that you need? And maybe it is. I mean, Tolkien had his people. Yeah. There are people who loved the, you know, his world enough to get the Silmar- Silmarillion. I can never pronounce that. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, those hardcore minutia fans, I I could see them being George R. R. Martin people because his world building is so complex and there are so many different families yeah. and flags and history that you might imagine that there are enough people to be interested. But I feel like most people, and this is complete hypothesis from me, um... I feel like most people want to see the new books, like, and either that or like me, I'm just sort of like, eh, forget the books. I'm just going to watch the show. <laughs> like, Which there are now going to be like four possible spinoffs of. I can't even. It's so I'm much stuff. Gonna... Speaking of so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I don't think I'm going to watch the spinoffs. I personally am not going to read these volumes, but I'd be curious if people out there listening are interested and they think that this is totally a worthwhile thing for George R. R. Martin to be doing or spending his time on. I would love to hear from you. Yeah, I, I, I do want to know, like, how many completists and, you know, like, I just need more in the world people we have. Because, I you know, like, the Wheel of Time has these volumes, too. And J.K. Rowling keeps putting out, you know, oh. back matter of, in, the, in the Harry Potter universe. And, and there must be, people must be interested in it. I just, I'm never that kind of person. Like, I, I not, not that it's a kind of person. Let me rephrase. I'm never that kind of reader. <laughs> like, I yeah. will even skip the glossaries in the back of, like, intense world building books where they tell you, like, who everybody is and how they're related to each other and what the name of that, like, weird creature is and gives definitions. Oh, totally. for Like, I don't care. I kind of don't care. I just, I either I pick it up through context or you have, you've lost me and I'm not going to keep reading like if you can't tell me the things I need to know about your world via context like in the narrative I'm probably not going to hang around and if you do I don't feel the need for a glossary like I'm happy just knowing enough to get on with the story but I know that there are other like I know other readers who who like want to know the definitions of all things oh yeah. like there's a Tortals you like universe like the Tamara Pierce books oh um, yeah yeah there's there's gonna be like the world of Tortal like there, like that that's gonna be a thing too so so clearly there's a market oh. um and I just I wonder like 
do, and do you read it cover to cover? Do you do you revisit it randomly? Like, do you look up certain stuff? Like, how do you read them? Like, tell, send us an email. Tell us what you think about these things. Please do, because I don't understand either. And this is a this is one of those things that is very much in the SFF realm. It's mm-hmm. it seems like very unique to it because there's so much world building and stuff, but. I'm I'm really curious too. So yeah, let us know. Please inform us. We have no <laughs> idea who this audience is. <laughs> let's skip. Let's skip. I'm looking at our agenda. Let's skip ahead to how hard is it to kill a dragon? Because I yes. since we're already talking about Westeros, Vulture yeah. put out this article about like how hard is it actually to kill a dragon related to what is going on um, in the show. And, and, and then, you know, goes like the piece goes in depth into how, uh, the dragons die in Westeros. Spoilers, I guess, or something. I, I know, don't know. It is spoilers. <laughs> I, I guess was reading it's a spoiler, it. Spoiler, sorry. I was like, I can't. Well, it's not. I didn't really... say which dragons, so. <laughs> and you didn't say whether it actually happened. Right, exactly. So. But this is a thing since since today, literally our whole show after this in the second half is about dragons. I was thinking about it because here's the thing: I just can't figure out. Can't they just fly away? Like they literally can just fly away. <laughs> You can't make them stay, like, unless you have them chained up, in which case it is unfair advantage. Like, if they are chained, then obviously you can figure out how to kill a dragon. But, like, if they are not chained, they can just fly away. So, this is... is (laughs) I mean, it's almost like, like trying to shoot down a plane or something. So, I mean, it could... And you don't have missiles in this universe. Like, you don't have... Like, maybe you have a catapult, I guess. But, like, that's hard to aim, right? We can all acknowledge. And even if you aim it correctly, they're flying. They could move a different way than you think they're going to move. You have to be, like, a super good... This is, (laughs) like, suspension of belief. Yeah, yeah. You would have to be a really amazing aim because they do talk about, this isn't about the specific episode that happened, but they talk about like historically in the world, they have killed a dragon before with a ballista where Mm -hmm. it was like this giant arrow basically that was shot from this giant catapult. And I mean, <laughs> I was I, like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> if right. You like, say uh, so. And, you know, I've read a lot of books in which dragons get killed. And every time I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I know. Like in The Hobbit, Smaug, yeah. I think, was killed with an iron arrow as well. Mm hmm. And well, he had, be... like, a weak spot, and he was... Yeah, he had that little tiny yeah, right. part where his his uh, armored scales right. were not protecting it. Which is, I guess, you know, yeah, that's, that's legit. a creative like, way that, to do it. Yeah, I'll take that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I generally feel, though, that it is too easy to kill dragons in books. Like, it is not hard enough on the page. It isn't, and I that this reminded me of that '80s movie Dragon Slayer. Oh, do you yes. remember that with Peter McNichol? Oh yes, I do. <laughs> and I was like, "How did that dragon die?" So of course, like because I'm me, I immediately went to Wikipedia <laughs> and I looked it up, 
And I was like, it was like, it was the dragon slayer, right? It was this, mm-hmm. the weapon that they had. It was an enchanted sword that could pierce the dragon's hide. And then I was like, that wasn't even what killed the dragon. <laughs> like the dragon slayer, the movie's title didn't kill the dragon. Like the character crushed a stone underfoot. This is from the 80s, so I feel like I'm not spoiling Yeah, yeah. It. Crushed a stone underfoot and an old wizard blew up while the dragon was holding him what? and blew up the dragon. And I was like, I don't remember that. That's, That's amazing. Like really oh. weird way to kill a dragon yeah and you know have you read the blue sword by or not the blue sword well that's part of it but the hero in the crown by robin mckinley that's the one no with i the haven't dragon. what oh man well now go? i can't tell you about it because oh. i need you to read them <laughs> okay uh, well we'll just say there is a very epic dragon fight and i don't think it can fly so like that's the fighting chance but it's still that's one yeah. of the in my head that's like the all-time best dragon fight sequence for me personally that is my favorite yes well i have well this is why i can't spoil it for you i need you to read it so it's not dragon versus dragon is it no it's not it's dragon versus person it's dragon versus versus a lady dragon killer for the record yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this sounds better and better by the minute I'm I'm totally gonna pick that up. You'll have to remind me the name. I will. Oh, I I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What should All we right. talk about next? Um. Do we want to talk about this epic fantasy cartoon? Yeah, Matt Groening. Like, yeah, Matt Groening. So Matt Groening is obviously the man who created The Simpsons, um, mm-hmm. and also Futurama is doing a fantasy show. About the kingdom of Dreamland, which is falling apart into rampant disarray as its hard-drinking young princess <laughs> goes on a series of misadventures with an elf and her own personal demon. I will watch this. I will I watch will this. I will totally watch this, too. Like, I, anything where you have, like, the fae folk in very weird, unconventional situations, I'm like... Yes, and a hard drinking princess. I I, <laughs> it could go horribly wrong. I will admit that, like, I can see it going horribly wrong. But I did enjoy the bejesus out of Futurama. And Me too. So I am excited for him to turn to magic as his next subject. And it's going to be on Netflix, which I like. So you know. I know. I'm so glad everybody now is just doing streaming because, first of all, it's all I have. So. <laughs> same thank you world and i'm i wonder if they're going to like oh it must be like they're going to uh release it by season like they do with every other show but i'm looking forward to it and um i don't know like i was raised on the simpsons and i also watch futurama and i mean it does get pretty racy and Uh crazy but that's what i love about it so i don't think i'm gonna have a problem um but yeah, it's been a while. Like, has he done any? I don't remember if he's done anything since Futurama, but I'm I'm also glad that he's doing a fantasy take. So um yeah. Grown-up cartoon. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it says the first ten episodes of this show is called Disenchantment. They're going to go to Netflix in 2018. So we have a little bit of a wait, but that's okay. I'm sure we'll find other things. Indeed. Um yeah, so let's 
Uh, we could talk about, let me see, what do we have? Annihilation, the Annihilation film. I have not read this book, but now it has a release date for the movie. And it's been a minute. Let me see, when does it come out? Um, so it's 2018. It's uh, February 23rd is going to be the wide release for Annihilation, which is going to be directed by Alex Gar Garland. And it's... Um, He's the guy who wrote, who di uh, directed, I guess, directed Ex Machina. And it's, of course, the story by Jeff Vandermeer. And I have seen this everywhere, and I have had this on my list, like a book <laughs> to read. But I just haven't gotten around to it. But I read the description of it, and it sounds very, very film friendly. So, well, it's interesting because so I'm basically considering this their birthday present to me because my birthday is <laughs> right around that, like, it's two days they're releasing this two days before oh, my nice. birthday. And Oscar Isaac is the movie, as is Tessa Thompson and Gina Rodriguez and a bunch of other yes. amazing actors and actresses. So, like, I, I could not be more delighted to have this be coming out when it is. I, I, But I am very concerned about how they're going to do it because the book is very surreal. Like, that is really the only word. While you're reading it, you're like, wait, what? Like, it's... And, and, and there are weird creatures. Like, there's this... There's this thing that lives in a tower. I'm trying to think about how to say this without spoiling it, even though it's actually a really hard thing to spoil because it's so weird. But So the, if, you, if you don't know the book, it takes place in this quote-unquote Area X, which is an area in Florida where really strange things are happening, and they've cordoned it off, and they're sending in a team of scientists. And this is not the first team of scientists that they've sent in, and horrible things keep happening to the scientists that they send into this like weird zone. And so this latest team, they've like been hand-selected for the project. They're supposed to work well together. But, of course, almost immediately things start going wrong. They find this structure, and they go inside the structure. And are they hallucinating? And is there writing on the wall and fungus? Like, it's very weird. So mm. Alex Garland is not, like, I think he is a a pretty good choice if anybody's going to try to, like, yeah. make visual sense of the plot line. Um, but I also feel like they have to have changed some things. They have to. So, and there's no real conclusion. I mean, there's a little bit of a conclusion, but not really, because it's Ooh. the first part in a trilogy. It's a three-book series. And even the last book doesn't 100% clear up, like, what has happened. So I'm really, really curious to see how they're going to handle the source material. Like, what are they changing? changing how are they visually interpreting like the lighthouse keeper for example I just my mind is ready to be blown but I'm also super nervous is, is how I, mean, I feel about this I could yeah I can see that but I know that like Alex Garland has done some movies where it had this weird like quiet inconclusiveness like Sunshine is a movie yeah. that uh, he did that a lot of people I don't think saw and I that loved movie that movie freaked me out yeah and it, it's got that same, I don't know, I don't know what the description of it is, like, not quietness, but, like, Never Let Me Go as well. Oh, yeah. Like, By kind Katsu of eerie. Ishiguro. He yeah. adapted that. Yeah. So, it's got that, I could, I can see it. I've not read the book, so I cannot be the last word on this. And we're probably going to just have to see. You can have your birthday, your birthday yeah, movie. And then you can either rant about it. 
and be annoyed by how it was adapted or hopefully it'll be something you really enjoy yeah fingers crossed i mean it's an amazing cast and he he has done things that i really enjoy like you mentioned so we'll see we'll see how it goes (laughs) um well we have this this last one i guess that's fandom do you want to talk about the fandom and mental health yeah we'll talk about that real quick i think we're yeah Got just enough time. Um, So this piece is from Teen Vogue, and the headline is, Psychologists say that belonging to a fandom is amazing for your mental health, which I found delightful. (laughs) I know. That was actually, I'm glad they came up with that result. Yeah, so, right. Because fandom gets a lot of... um, Yeah, it gets a lot of flack. And, you know, some of it is much deserved. Like, I have seen toxic fandom in action, Mm -hmm. and it is not a pretty sight. But, like, it's also worth acknowledging that there are good parts. And the reporter who did the story talked to a few psychologists, um, specifically people who worked with teenage girls, and talked about how good it can be for a person to connect with other people over shared interests and then build more social connections that way. Because especially when you're a teenager, you're working so hard to figure out who you are and how you fit into the world that it can be really helpful and affirming to have a place where everybody sort of is interested in the same things you are and is just as excited about them and doesn't make you feel weird for liking things, right? Like, that's an experience I think probably all of us have had, is being made to feel weird. Like, if I had had Tumblr as a teenager, like, what kind of person would I be now? Like, I can't even imagine. (laughs) Um, And so, and I think I'm pretty cool as it is, but like, really, like, what (laughs) would I be up to? I don't even know if I hadn't spent years hiding what I was into from other people so so yeah I will leave a link in the show notes obviously you can take a look at the piece but um it is a nice look at the positive aspects of fandom yeah it's super interesting and totally worth a look so Mm -hmm. awesome um let's talk about our books I guess and we're talking about dragons this time as mentioned we've Um, already been talking about yeah, oh, that's before right. we first, do that though, yes, yes I get yes. to I get to tell you our second sponsor, which is a delight for me because it's a book that I have read and have been waiting to rave about. It is The Stone Sky by N.K. Jemison, which is the third book in her Broken Earth trilogy, the first book of which was the fifth season, and the second one was The Obelisk Gate, and I have been waiting and <laughs> waiting for this book uh, to be almost out. It's almost out. It's coming soon. Um, early August, right? Well, I guess yeah. by the time this show airs, August it will... August 15th, I think? Yes. So next yeah. week on the recording of this show, it will be available to you, and I spent the whole weekend reading it, and it is amazing it is the it is such a good third book um if you don't know much about the series it takes place in a world where like disasters on a global scale occur on a pretty regular basis so everybody in this world is constantly expecting the apocalypse basically um and is like prepared like has like a go bag and like you know knows how to forage for food or whatever and how to filter water and all of these things 
It's also a world in which certain people have the power to control the earth. They're called origins, and they have basically been enslaved and made to work for society, and they have guardians, and they're not allowed a, a lot of choices, and they're, like, bred to each other very specifically. It's weird and gross. Um, and <laughs> and the, book the books follow this one woman, Essen, um, as she as her life is basically turned upside down. There's a huge cataclysmic event um, that sends the world into another season, and also her husband, who is not aware that she was an origin, has found out that their children have powers and he has uh, killed their son and like escaped with her daughter. Um, so she is trying to find her daughter. She's also trying to deal with like the person that she has become because of what the situation society has put her in. And in the third book... I don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> but it's in the description. So she and her daughter are both, like, working to figure out what comes next for literally the entire world. Because um, her daughter hasn't inherited her powers and has been separated for, from her for a while and learned her own things about the world and how the world works. And so... It is, like, the big reunion, but also the big, like, what is going to happen to the world now moment. And it's amazing. You should read the whole series, especially now that all three books are out. You don't have to wait anymore. It's oh, all, yeah. It's all complete start to finish. And, yeah, Jemison is amazing. She's also a reviewer, and um, if you haven't read her New York Times column where she reviews uh, new releases in science fiction and fantasy, I highly recommend searching that out. So you're definitely going to want to grab it. It's The Stone Sky by N.K. Jemison. Big hearts from me. And me. I <laughs> second all of that. Yeah, so good. It's so good. Okay, but let's now. talk about dragons. There are no <laughs> dragons. There are no dragons in N.K. Jemison's books. I will say that. <laughs> I know. That's the only thing. <laughs> I, you know, they manage all right without them. They manage They absolutely okay. do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking when we decided to pick this topic... I started to think about the different kinds of dragons there are. Ooh, yeah. So I have segmented out my picks sort of by theme. And my first theme is science dragons. Um, <laughs> because the really, my like as you know from my nerd origin story, The Dragon Riders of Pern by Anne McCaffrey was a huge part of my young life as a yeah. nerd. Um, and that is... One of the, I could come up with two books that had science dragons. I could only come up with two. Like dragons that are like creatures, biological, non magic creatures who make mm -hmm. like scientific sense. So Dragon Riders of Pern was one. And then the Memoirs of Lady Trent series by Marie Brennan was the second one because now I've only read one of these books, but I don't remember any like real magic. Like I remember her you know, looking deeply into the biology and ecology, like, as in sort of a Victorian sense of these dragons. So those were the two that I could come up with. Well, I came up with um, The Iron Dragon's Daughter, and this is a book by Michael Swanwick, and I had just discovered this because I was <coughs> searching high and low for something that would be like sciency and i mean there's another book that i read and it's not like it's not even i don't think i would call it science fantasy but in seraphina by rachel hartman oh, yes. the dragons are very like mathematical they're very they're mathematicians so like i thought about that but it still wasn't quite there but at least in um the iron dragon 
the dragons are mechanical. So they oh. are completely, they have, um, so like Jane is this changeling who finds a dragon called 7332. And the dragons are equipped with like pentometer knobs and laser guidance systems and they're made of iron wrapped around a heart of steel. So they're cybernetic and they go on like napalm runs against enemy soldiers. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I mean, this is a very, this is a very unconventional book in that it's sort of like what we were talking about with Matt Groening's new um, fantasy about like fey folk in unconventional situations. Like, this is definitely that where, like, the fairies and the changelings go to the mall and they wear acid wash jeans <laughs> and they go to school. So, um, yeah, it's a very strange book that is also very dark. It kind of reminded me, this is not a YA book at all, even though Jane, the main character, is young when the book starts out. And But it reminded me of a YA book, uh, Glitter and Blood by Hannah Moskowitz, which had that same, like, really violent, dark, strange fairy world element to it. So that was the one I came up for science. I think it's even categorized as science fantasy um, because there is still magic in this world, but the dragons are sentient, but they're also mechanical, so... Yeah. <laughs> Robot <laughs> dragons. It's a Robot thing. Robot dragons. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, the other thing I thought of that wasn't just sort of like dragons as dragons is dragons as people. And you mentioned Serafina because those dragons, right, they can go incognito. They can kind of yes. be people also. Um, and uh, a book that I just finished that also has dragons who are slash human-looking people some of the time is, yeah. <laughs> is, like, sometimes they look like human people, but sometimes they look like dragon people. It just depends. Um, is Cast in Shadow by Michelle Sagara. It's the first book in the Elantra Chronicles, and uh, Elliot de Bedard recommended this on a special episode of Get Booked that we did with her. She's a she's a science fiction oh, fantasy yeah. writer. Yeah, she's so awesome. I had it in my head, and I was like, oh, perfect excuse to read it. And it is about a woman. It's also a magical police procedural kind of it's a lot of things oh, that's a lot of things are happening in this book so it's about a woman named Kaylin who grew up in this very rough part of the city that they live in and she like a horrible thing happened to her as a young girl you don't really know 100% what it is when the book starts out um, and she has now since like turned her life around she's changed her name and she's become they call it a hawk, but she's become, like, magical police. Like, she's become a law enforcement <laughs> agent. And she has magic uh, from – she has healing magic. And she also has these weird tattoos that just, like, literally appeared on her body one day. And they don't know what they are. Or they've been there for years. But these tattoos also have appeared on small, like, young children who are dying, um, being murdered. And so now she's on this case – that seems to have a connection to her, but she doesn't know what the connection is. And somebody from her past shows up. And in the meantime, she gets paired up on this, you know, investigation team with 
a person who is also a dragon some of the time. And it's really action-packed, as you might expect from, like, a magical police procedural that also has a dragon in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there's, like, you know, all the weird, like, political shenanigans and favor-pulling and don't offend this noble and, like, oh, what if the emperor finds out? Like, there's all of that stuff if you like that kind of thing. Like, this is all here. Um, and she is, like, a very classic sort of cranky, violent, like, goes off at the, you know twitch of a hat like will you know drop kick you if you look at her wrong kind of heroin um but she also <laughs> she's got like that soft spot you know like heroin of the heart of gold like she really does have uh real feelings when she feels like she's allowed to have them which isn't often based on how she grew up and like what her job is so if that all sounds good to you you should definitely check it out and there is an excellent like dragon intense scene but I won't tell you <laughs> I won't tell you any more than that because it would spoil some things but yeah they like the dragon goes dragon for for reals uh, <laughs> so that's cast in shadow by Michelle Sagara the dragon goes dragon. I mean, when you look I want to like, say that about people. I know. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I'm going to go dragon on that one. Like, go dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I also have a Dragons as People book, and it's um, actually a series. It's Talon by Julie Kagawa. And Talon is the first book in Kagawa's Talon Saga, which is a young adult fantasy series. And it starts out with these two teens, Ember and Dante, who are being transported to a new life. They are under the protection of an agency called Talon. And this agency is also training them to assimilate into the world of humans because they themselves are dragons, Ember and Dante. They look like very attractive human beings, though. Um, so they can appear human, but they also shift into, you know, your traditional dragon form. And as dragons, they're incredibly dangerous. And even, like, the humans who work for Talon, Talon, like, cringe back in their presence because they're really frightening. And at this point in the story, um, right at the beginning, dragons have had a long history of being hunted down by this other group called the Order of St. George. So it's really important for Talon to protect and train their young. Uh, but only Ember, Ember only knows what she's been taught about her people and about St. George. Um... She and Dante, who's her brood brother, have led this really cloistered life. And at the very beginning, they're finally being introduced to the rest of the world. They're expected to assimilate with their human peers, which are teens. Of course, this is young adult. And so while Ember's a dragon, in all other respects, she's a regular teen who's realizing she likes to, you know, hang out with friends and eat Cinnabon and go surfing like the other SoCal kids. And <laughs> <laughs> my heart is like going out to her like she just wants Cinnabon she, she just wants want... a Cinnabon there is a scene where I was like oh my gosh I need to go out and get a Cinnabon right now <laughs> <laughs> she's obsessed with it uh, but uh, because her life's been so restrictive she you know comes to love this newfound freedom she gets in this sort of faux life and on the other side of the fence is Garrett Xavier Sebastian, who's this young hot dude who spent like a lot of his life training and in combat for the other side, the Order of St. George. And he's led a similarly cloistered life. He hasn't interacted with the rest of the world. He does not know how to have a good time. Uh, but he's been risking his neck to save humanity from dragons by slaying them 
So he's assigned this top secret undercover project to like gain information about the presence of dragons and Talon in Southern California. And he also only knows what he's been taught. So Ember and Garrett, of course, end up in the same place, in the same circle, and things go from there. And there's all the doubts and the sparks and the intrigue, and everyone in this book is super hot, and <laughs> they've got their beach balls, and their a, youth is that to a back plan? them up. They're, they're <laughs> super hot. Get it? Get it? <laughs> oh my gosh. I did not even intend that. That is so <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> good catch. Good catch. Super hot romance. Uh, <laughs> so it's Romeo and Juliet with dragons, kind of. It absolutely is. That is that is a good comparison. Yes, this is Romeo and Juliet with dragons. <laughs> and there's a ton of books out. There's three more where that one came from. And there's another one on the way in April of next year. So if you like it, you can, you know... Have, you have a lot of books to go through. So that was Talon by Julie Kagawa. I, and I, I wanted to shout out one more series real quick. Yes. Um, because I was thinking, as I was thinking about dragons, um, I was remembering how a lot of the dragons of my early reading life were sort of, they were magical and a little bit silly, like um, in Patricia Reed's Dealing with Dragons, or they were oh, magical yeah. and like scary, but like, you know, more of like, you know, removed a little bit like smog from um, The Hobbit. And then I picked up this series and it was my first experience with sort of gritty dragons. Like that was not a thing I had experienced before. And it was the Pit Dragon Chronicles by Jane Yolen, um, the first one of which is Dragon's Blood. And it was like, you know, these are dragons who like, they're like, they're like fighting dogs, like they're bred to fight each other for the entertainment of people. And there are these two teenagers who are, if I remember correctly, slaves who work with the dragons in the pits. And like, I had never, I haven't reread them, but I remember very clearly being like, oh, like a fantasy world isn't necessarily gonna be like cleanly good and bad or silly or you know any of those like other things that I had experienced like a fantasy world can be like dark and weird and that was one of that was one of my first experiences yeah with that kind of fantasy I had not come across it before yeah those are good I I do like I think that there's a lot of dragons who can talk and have a conversation but there's always room for the really gritty Really frightening dragon stories. I love those too. Mm-hmm. We'll take all of the dragons. <laughs> we really will. All of them. <laughs> Any of them. Don't care. <laughs> but I guess that's it for dragons today, at least. Sadly, yes. frowny face. I know. We could talk about this for actual hours, probably. <laughs> we could. We really could. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a dragons part two episode down the line. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we we'll, can totally come up with some stuff. Yes. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, please do email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. We want to hear your thoughts on, you know, encyclopedias of Middle Earth and Westeros and uh, mm-hmm. your your opinion on how hard or easy dragons should be to kill. We're, we are taking comments. Um, we hope you will also give us a review and or a rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can see your feedback and it helps other people to find the show. 
And as far as finding us online, you can find me on Tumblr. It's jenirl.tumblr.com, Jen with two N's. And I'm also on the Get Booked podcast, which is a weekly show from Book Riot. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And that's it for us. But we will talk to you again soon. And happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.